Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Lutz, and Tim Sway. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 257 for October 14th, 2020. Halfway to to Halloween. Uh, As always, Reclaimed Audio is brought to you by Klingspore's Woodworking Shop. The sale continues on the 52th Combo Blade. Using codes BROCCOLI, UTILIZE, or DISAGREE, you too can get 10% off. Uh, This week's top Patreon supporters are... Lakeside Woodcrafter, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta, Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, The Boys Over at Maybe I've Said Too Much, Creator Nader, Wesley Treat, Rob Ray, Darren Mattis, Isotunes, Tim Holliner, I guess, I guess keep decent. And of course, Gangi and Pop Pop Makerspace. You know, speaking of, speaking of Gangi and Pop Pop, it was nice to hear things are going pretty good over there. But Gangi, yeah. if you're listening, Pop Pop told us that you think he's been really busy working hard, but he's actually kicking back on the couch, drinking uh, bubbly water, watching soap operas. I'm just saying. I don't think yeah. that's fair when you're trying to recover. Anyway, go ahead, Phil. As the world turns, yeah. Uh, what are we working on, Tim Sway? I um, I made two instruments last week. I have a, I have a client instrument that I'm working on, and I just kind of finished up the second one. And uh, so one of them is going to be for an upcoming uh, Vectric uh, video because I make videos over on their Vec- on their YouTube channel. And it's a um, they I've had people that watch and follow those have wanted me to make a guitar CNC file for them for a while. And they wanted it specifically, people have also wanted it to be a two-dimensional one, so no 3D carving for people that have don't have the 3D versions of the software. So I came up with this kind of clever cheat to uh, do 2D cutting tool paths and make a 3D kind of contoured guitar. And I, while I was doing it, I made it ambidextrous. So it's a, because I was like, it's all about inclusion, right? The idea, you know, and I've done ambidextrous guitars before, but so the idea was I was making a CNC file that would be, as inclusive as possible for everybody of various degrees of tooling and, and skill to make an instrument. And I was like, well, why should I eliminate the lefties? So I'll make it so they can use it too. Um, so you can, you know, all these files, if you take the guitar and you just flip it upside down and restring it that way, it looks exactly the same. You know, it's symmetrical and stuff. And it's pretty cool. Like, it's it's my second attempt at this. And I went with kind of like a modern sort of space agey sort of shape to it. And um, I, I, I saw. I, like, I love the shape. I think it looks really neat. I didn't notice. Do, so, do you have the knobs and the buttons? Like, so the knobs are. You know, normally they'd be on like the bottom, right? Right, right. Um, what they are is they're behind the bridge and they're center. Oh, so if that you makes flip sense. it upside down, so it's like it's kind of awkward. And and I didn't make those perfectly symmetrical because it doesn't really matter in that. No, area. no. That, there's that one little like two by four inch section that it doesn't have to be symmetrical. You know, so and just to, not, to they're not it, in the way is the big thing. Right. So the, the first time I made an ambidextrous guitar, I, I buried the knobs in the back of the body. I, I recessed a little plate back there, and I, and I sort of sunk them in. Um, but right. this time I wanted to put them on the front and make them a little more accessible and, and try that out. And so I did what other people – I mean, I'm not the first person to do this. You know, That's what other people have done. But usually when, they, when people do this, they, they line them up down the center, like in a straight line, so they're perfectly mm-hmm. – so it's 100%. And it, that was like my contribution, I guess, was like, well, this doesn't really matter. 
you know, <laughs> like they can just be, you know, variable. No, but, it's cool because people who are correct-handed could actually play the guitar now. That's good. Finally, because there's not too many options, you know, as a, a left-handed person myself, I'm very fortunate that I was taught to play guitar right-handed. Um, it just makes it life easier. So I'm always thinking about my, my other fellow lefties, you know. But so that was a lot as of fun. Well but, you should. But then, so what was really fun for me is, so this was last Saturday... I sat down, I had this idea kicking around in my head, and like I'm ahead, this project isn't due till November, but I just had it in my head, and I was like, I'm gonna do it. And then I had this other thing I've wanted to do for months and months, it's been on my board, is to make a, what's called a bass six, and that is a, it's a bass guitar that has six strings, but it's tuned like a regular guitar. So normally like a six string bass actually has like a lower string and then a higher string and all this like wacky stuff. But so this is just basically a guitar, but an octave lower. Um, and I, I kind of got hip to them. I didn't even really know they were a thing. I knew about baritone guitars and six-string basses, but I didn't know that anybody was really making these. I never knew the difference between it and a baritone guitar, which is like somewhere like it's a little bit higher pitched. Um, and I, and I, when someone told me about it, I was like, oh my God, that's I have to make one of those. And so, so last Saturday, I sat down and I drew my, my ambidextrous guitar for Vectric, and then I drew this base six which has some unique proportions to it like i you know the neck is like a little bit longer and a little bit wider and, and this and the other thing I, I drew it all from scratch that was last saturday this saturday i was playing the base six in my house um and then just today monday i finished and was playing the uh ambidextrous guitar and i just think that's like cool as heck uh and i like in the cnc age that you can have an idea on Saturday, and then like Saturday later, like have it. I mean, you could do without a CNC. You could obviously do this too, but um, like my CNC skills are improving. So it used to be that if it was a CNC project, it would take me four times as long, <laughs> you know, as by hand. <laughs> and now it's taking me like half as long. And I just I love that. And uh, it was just really exciting to me, like to because something usually when I do these projects, I have a bunch of things going on. They take months, but at these I didn't do fancy finishes on or anything. I was able to just sort of just do them, you know, and not wait for the glue to dry really or the finish to dry and so it was just like really cool like I didn't even realize it like I had the idea and I was just sort of plugging away at these two things while working on some other stuff and next thing I knew it was like seven days later and they were they existed and I just thought, <laughs> I just thought that was awesome and I'm, I was pretty excited about that you also uh, you also sold the original uh, Lutz guitar uh. yes yes a young man named Tom who is local to me in Connecticut he had contacted me a few months ago about making a custom base for him and we wrote back and forth a little bit. And, um, and so he had some ideas. And then he sat, sort of mulled on them for a while. And he came back to me with his latest idea that was a little more simple than his original idea. As I think, you know, reality sort of starts to set in. You, you have all these ideas and you start realizing, like, cost-wise and complications. And, some you know, we know as artists and designers, it's sometimes, like, less is more, you know. And so he's like, okay, he's like, you know, all that stuff. Let's strip it back to this and this. Take this part. Of, and I was like, you know, you're kind of describing these... <laughs> You know, and I was like, I was like, I have, I have these, I can absolutely make that for you. And, you know, his idea was a little bit different, but I was like, but you might, you know, since you're local, why don't you come play these? And, uh, and he that loved, cool. he loved the Lutz number one. So it saved him some money because a custom build is obviously more expensive, you know? Right, right, right. Um, and so he loved the Lutz number one, specifically the Redwood one. It's nice and light. And then, you know, just sort of, he's played like, I had four bases in stock right now and that was his favorite. So yeah, your base, um, your Redwood coffee table is now. A bass guitar and is now in the hands of someone else that's just a fun story to continue on yeah mm -hmm. if he ever gets rid of it you have to buy it back and make something else out of it 
Right. Well, it would it would be cool to to bring that down like up up the food chain, but down in size, and you know, to where yeah. it ends up being like a like you know a wedding ring or something. Then eventually, you <laughs> a know. coaster. One day it's a toothpick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about uh, who's next, Bill? Bill, yeah. Um. So um, I I am so excited about this this whole idea of Pinsky throwing things I don't understand at me, and then me trying to make something. So the whole Bauhaus thing. I love this because, first of all, I've, I've you know jumped in the rabbit hole a little bit and discovered it's not really a style of art so much as, as it's more about the school mm-hmm. and the original teachers and the original students and then subsequently people who those students who went off to other schools in the United States because it was in Germany yeah. um, and then people have taken classes where these people have taught so the actual like the furniture and um, it's kind of all over the place, right? There's a lot of Art Deco influence in it and everything, but the print, the graphic design Bauhaus is very, seems to be a lot more specific, a lot more. Yeah, it is. Right? So, like, that is yeah. a thing, but the furniture is kind of all over the place. So, I'm torn between do I want to make an art piece or do I want to make a freaking chair? I mean, it's just, and, I, and I'm excited. When's the last time you made an art piece? I know, and that's, and I kind of got a really neat idea about that too. So, I'm kind of leaning towards the art piece thing. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's just it's it's really neat. And another cool thing was is that I, so, uh, you know, because I I can't stay on the path. A hundred years ago, when I met the dads, um, you know, I was living in a in a downstairs apartment. They bought the house. They moved in. They became my best friends. I go upstairs. I get to know them. Everything is lovely, and because I'm close and I bond with these people, I make fun of them and I make fun of these ugly freaking chairs that Bob has. They're just ugly. I just can't stand them. They're chrome and they're weird and they got leather attached to them. And, and, and the joke was, like, these things look like torture devices, medieval torture. It turns out they're actually Bauhaus Wassily chairs. They're worth about $2,000 a piece. And I didn't know that all this time. And I'm, I'm doing this. I'm like, oh, my God, there's Dad Bob's chair. That's the ugly chair. It's right there. And it's really, it's not that ugly. It was just something that I, I chose to pick yeah. on him about. It's not so ugly now that you know they're two grand a piece. I know, or more than that. I mean, this is like, but but yeah, it was interesting because that particular chair, um, the guy that designed it was a bicycle maker. And so when he started doing this whole Bauhaus thing, he incorporated a lot of steel tubing into his furniture design. So one of the things that is Bauhaus has a lot of steel tubing, like, very European looking steel tubing and leather or thin pieces of wood. Anyway, so that's exciting. Uh, Phil, I'm looking at it right gym. now. It does look like a bicycle. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's it's a trip. But so what I decided I was going to do is I have this wine barrel in the backyard that I've had forever and I'm going to make wine barrel Bauhaus. There you go. WBB, of course. Right? That's what everybody does when they think of wine barrels, Bauhaus. It's, it's like they go hand in hand. It's like wine and cheese. just goes right together. Yeah, like a wine barrel and not cheese. Yeah, yeah. right, right. I think, it's, yeah. I think it's really fun for me and probably our listeners that this sort of path that we're, we're taking Bill down, I love that. <laughs> like to <laughs> just be like, like, Bill, here's a new word. Go make it a sculpture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's awesome. It's, like a, that's, it's how you grow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like it's like a scavenger hunt. It, it, it really kind of is. It really kind of is. And it goes through Bill's brain and so like you know everybody obviously has their own life experiences and their own but just like there's something personally for me I find exciting about giving Bill especially when it's like kind of like 
like high art quote unquote to give like bill yeah. high art and then have it come out and come back the way it gets filtered through bill's like blue collar brain and his <laughs> and his like practicality and i mean like yeah. the coffee table like i didn't know i was going to enjoy this until i saw what bill came up with the coffee table of like taking this like very like you know high art brass and gold kind of thing and he goes down to steel and just like the the most basic possible cut and just like reinvents the way i look at square stock you know um, <laughs> i also like that like we're giving him an art movement and but then he has all of these crazy insane skills to take mm. the that art idea and then make it something real like most of these artists are good at painting right, right? but they or, had or some designing ideas and stuff or designing but they couldn't make it real the way he makes it real like if you take a look at you were talking about last week about that park that you went to go visit that had all all these sculptures in it but the welds were awful right they were all like probably stick welded and you know if you probably pushed on the thing it would fall apart but bill could you know put a stack of dimes against a weld and uh and I, I don't uh, think i could put a sack of dimes maybe a handful take, of take a the pocket money full run. of change yeah. maybe. Full of change <laughs> yeah. um you but know there's to say you know what i mean like he has that ability that most of these artists don't they just have a good idea now we're giving him the good idea to match with the incredible skills there, there's this guy i met uh he's a he's a friend of gagne's and he he, um, I, I did some art shows with him. I, I can't remember his name right now. It's like Maximilius. He has some like weird name, you know, like, um, and he does these beautiful sculptures of like robots. And like the last time, I, last thing he did, I saw was like, a, it was a portal into another universe, um, like kind of a thing, you know, that he makes out of steel. A really interesting guy, but his day job, and I met someone else that works there too. There's this factory, I guess you could call it for lack of a better term, in Connecticut, where they make art. And it's like when an artist like dreams up like, oh, I want a 30 foot tall chrome pyramid, you know, with a sphere. Like these are the guys that actually make the stuff. Um, it's a fab shop. Right. You know, an art fab shop. So it's like real high end, like, you know, fabrication. It's like a construction company for an artist, right? Right. Because the yeah. guys that dream this stuff up, and it happens a lot. Like when I go to a museum and I look at the sculpture, um, I always look at the tag, you know, and it usually says like who the artist is and then somewhere really small print is like the guy that actually made the damn thing. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's the guy I'm always interested in because, you know, sometimes it's, it's very rarely the actual artist. A lot of times these artists, they conceptualize things. And that's what I like about yeah. Bill is that he's the, to give him, he's the skill guy he's that both. makes it. And now we're giving him the art to put into it. Yeah. What, what you just said though, Tim, is think about how terrifying that is. How do you feel about making a coffee table for Joe down the street, right? Oh, How yeah. much of a pain that they could be? Yeah. Can you imagine being the builder for an artist? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's no... I, they probably <laughs> think of them as the pain in the butt, too. Like, oh, i got to make this for Frank the artist. Great. I mean, yeah. But it, it would be... Another I would think it would be pyramid. ten times as bad because I'm, I'm of the opinion, unless I'm hurting for money, I basically say, look, I'm going to interpret what you want in my way. And I don't know they that... They do the same thing. Oh, I don't know if an artist would put up with that, though. Right? So, no, well, so, they, here's, so when I worked, the last company I worked at, we had an art studio, but we also had a fabrication shop. Mm-hmm. And so the artists, a lot of the times, would do some of the visual art, the three-dimensional stuff and the cut wood and stuff. Um, but sometimes they would hand it off to an art technician who would do that work. And they would come back and they would iterate, and I imagine it's the same thing. But one time I was in the back, I think I was building a bar for a Christmas party, and one of the artists comes in to, uh, to use the chop saw to a piece of wood. She was making a diamond out of it or something. I don't know what she was doing. But she puts it in there. No protective glasses. Tiny piece of wood. 
barely holding on, and I swear I ducked because I thought this piece of wood was going to go flying and, like, take her teeth out. And after the coach, she came up, she goes, are you okay? I was like, are you okay? You're never allowed to t- touch that again. Like, I said to her, I mean, I, w- I wasn't her boss, but I was a boss. Right. I said, you're not allowed to touch that again. I said, you need something, you ask the art tech because you almost just cost the company a lawsuit. Yeah. Uh, but then I went to go speak to the art director, and I said, you got to show them how to use the tools. Otherwise, they're going to hurt themselves or somebody else. But mm. uh, long story short, so we had – it was always a negotiation between, oh, we can't really do that. Okay, well, what can you do? Okay, well, I really want to do that. You know what I mean? It was a conversation, and probably it's the same thing with a third-party shop as well. Well, I well, think that these guys and the reason that they're, they're so successful in side apps, they're the ones that make magic, right? So right. The, yeah, that's the what I was going to say. It, it depends upon – you know, it has to be it, this It depends finish. upon the budget. Right. And that's, right? Because you know, if, you yeah. can, if you can dream it, I can build it or yeah. I can make it happen, but it's going to cost you. And it ain't going to cost you a couple hundred or a couple thousand. This is going to cost you, if you want me to exactly make what you want, like especially mm. if it's an art piece, I yeah. might have to outsource it to a machine shop, to a welding fabricator, to Electroplating. a... Electroplating. I mean, yeah. all these different things. So yeah, it can be done, but there's no negotiating on price at that point. Now, when you come to me and say, hey, I want to build this thing, and I'm like, well, I'm looking in my garage and we can't do that or that. I can probably do that if I bend this over here, That you know what I mean? So you're, again, you're getting that interpretation or... Mm-hmm. How can we compromise on what your vision is and what my vision is and what our abilities are together? So. Yeah, and what yeah. we have on hand. And what we have on hand. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't do that. I, I do sort of look around my garage, but I'm like, that is a good idea. You know what would be even better, though, <laughs> is if I use this old door to make it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's what happens at this art factory. <laughs> no, probably not. Well, it's even like, yeah, uh, I mean, Andy Warhol, famously, the factory, you know, that's, you know, he had... All these people, a lot of them were just, you know, pursuing their own creative ideas, and a lot of them were just Andy being like, "Hey, make a hundred of those and make them blue," and then he'd be like, "Yeah, I don't like it. Throw them out." You know? Yeah. Or be yeah. like, "Yeah, it looks great." You know? Uh, it's a neat, it's a neat job. I don't think I would want that job to be the guy filling the filling the the order for sure. Like, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't want that. Well, then you have somebody who's insanely talented, skilled. Um, uh, David Welder, for example, who's, who's already gone to an art school, who's already an artist, who's already got these skills background from his father, who gets to hang out with uh, another artist, Jimmy Dresta, right? Or apprentice under him almost. Or apprentice under him almost. And, and seriously, with, wow. I mean, so I, I think that's that's got to happen more often than not too, right? Where you get somebody who's uh, an artist, builder, maker, guy like Jimmy is in whatever industry it might be, who does have people that he's basically he's like, okay, I need we're going to build this thing, and I want your help on it. But what I really need you to do is make eighteen of these cuts or mm. do this thing, you know, several times. So they're doing the mm-hmm. almost the apprentice, the the labor at part of the the build, you know, for that for that art piece. So technically, yeah, they're an artist; they built part of it, but it's really. You know, but they're getting that firsthand experience of watching the guy move. I could watch Jimmy read a book. I mean, seriously, I know I would learn something, you know. Yeah. Hmm. I know what you mean. I like a lot of the times the things that he does, like the, the project itself, like doesn't thrill me specifically. But I'll watch anything he puts out because I'm going to learn something. Yeah. He's very deliberate in everything he does. And that's what's yeah. – and he has a reason, you know. It's inter- well, it's and he on purposely, he'll build something – that he can build one way, probably more efficiently, but he'll build it in a way that tries a new technique 
that one he can share and that he's also experimenting with, which I love about yes. him too. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, 100%. hey, instead of instead of putting this on my chop saw, I'm gonna get this hundred year old lumberjack saw that I it's all rusty and stuff and the handles broke off. So let's first build a handle for that and then we'll use <laughs> that to cut the piece of wood. Mm. Right. That's Jimmy, yes. right? That's Jimmy. Oh that Jim. Jim old Jim. Yeah. Um okay, let's move forward. Uh what are you working on, Phil? So, not much physical. I'll get to the physical stuff in a second. But first thing is, so um, this summer camp that my son goes to is um, is sports themed. So every week there's a different sport, and they treat the kids like they're celebrity athletes. And uh, so there's a draft and a whole thing. And uh, and the last two weeks is ice hockey. And my son like really fell in love with it, even more so than usual. And now. Like the last couple of months, like he's head over heels over hockey, and it just so happens that they put out um, a a challenge. So on Facebook, you join the, their group, and uh, this challenge is called the Skills Challenge. And so basically, you take a video of your kid doing something hockey related, right? And it's got to be a skill thing. Hmm. And so most people, like on their iPhone, whatever, their kid bounces the ball in the whatever, and then takes a shot. To, uh, that's my skill. I nominate uh, Tim to do his video, and sort of gets like it's like a chain letter like that. So I said, "Yeah, we could do that, or <laughs> I could turn this into like a short film." Ooh! So, so that's what I did. I like I went all out with this thing. I took out like my DSLR and I, I made it super super cinematic, right? And uh, and it was a huge hit, and so that was a ton of fun to do. And then uh, my younger son my youngest son so he's three so jake is seven aj is three and he's like i want to do video too <laughs> so i did a video with him also and similar except that this one's almost like a parody of that one so that was a ton of fun and i submitted them both the second one almost just like as a joke and uh and so uh, they got like rave reviews anyway so uh that was like round one so if you're in the top 10 of like whoever's doing this voting you got to do another video and continue the competition until you get to like whatever the I guess we're in the sweet 16 I guess till you're in the final four whatever the case may be anyway so that's what I did I got to practice some of my non making uh, film production which is fun because it meant that I could go handheld or whatever I could stage a shot and that I'm not in it so the shots could be a lot more dynamic and so I was doing this thing where it was almost like a mock dolly, right? So as Jake was doing stick handling, I was walking at the same pace as he was moving forward. Mm. And so it gets all jittery because I don't have a gimbal or anything. But then in Adobe, you can put on um, uh, an effect called Warp Stabilizer. And so it basically smooths out that video like crazy. Tim, I don't know if you've ever used it, but it's awesome. No, I haven't. I Because I just use iMovie. And it, iMovie has some uh. stuff like that. But it's I tried it once and it didn't do anything for me. <laughs> So this is this is great. It's yeah. fantastic. So I got to play with a lot of stuff that I normally don't ever get to because all of my stuff is on a tripod, right? But this was a lot more dynamic, so it was fun. Um, and then the second thing of what I've been up to, which will lead into our topic, is a buddy of mine who happens to live down the road. His, he's got kids my kid's age, and so we're, we're close. He's actually in my COVID bubble. So uh, we're, we're even closer now than normal. But... He says he sends me a picture of one of his uh, kitchen cabinet doors, and it's hanging from just the top euro hinge. The bottom one is completely off, or they weren't they weren't attached, right? You've got the door part, and you've got the inside of the cabinet part, and they mate through some insanely stupid mechanism where you 
unscrew it to tighten it, screw it in to loosen it, you know, do a, you know, a dance, and then the other part latches on. It's so he said, what do I do here? I said, you hang tight. I'll come by tomorrow with the screwdriver and we'll fix it. So as I was packing to leave, I brought Jake with me because he could just play with his son at the same time and it would kill some time, which is what we're trying to do as parents on the weekends anyways. Uh, you know what? I said, let me pack a few more tools. So I, I leave my house with about 35 pounds worth of tools in my toolbox and I head over there thinking invariably something else is going to be broken and I want to have every option covered. And I went over there and I fixed the door and then I said, okay, what else? And they looked at me there, ah, nothing else broken. I was like, are you sure? Because I've got my tools in the car. And they're like, well, actually, this thing's a little wiggly. Well, actually, this thing. So I lined up fixing five things or whatever, right? And, uh, and so I had fun. We had our play date, and then we went back home. And I was thinking to myself as I was talking to Tim before we started the podcast, I was like, people who don't have the same skill set as we do, who basically did not invest in the time to develop this skill set, would normally live with a whole lot of broken stuff in their house for months, if not years at a time, just thinking that's the way it is. And as friends of people like that, do we have some kind of an obligation, a responsibility? I don't even know if it's that much of a word. Uh, maybe it's just like helping out. Do we have some kind of a responsibility to help these people out as friends and family? And I don't know how fully fleshed out that is, but I felt good leaving there. My answer, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go, go, go ahead. I, if he had a laundry list of things that he wanted me to fix, I probably would not have been as enthusiastic about doing it. But because it was one very specific thing, sure, I, I would love to help you. And so I went over there enthusiastic about it, knowing that I probably would fix more things, but that that wasn't what was asked or needed of me. So do you guys feel an obligation towards helping people out who couldn't do this themselves? My answer is absolutely yes, but that obligation is something I put on myself. I'm not obliged to anybody but myself. I agree with that. Tim, so, do you have a sense of, Oh, no, sorry, go ahead. No, that, that's, that's pretty much it, to, to start the ball rolling here. Right. What about um, you, Tim? Do you feel a sense of obligation to help those who couldn't well, do this, I guess? I, I mean, you who know me. I'm pretty much just like, screw those people. They're on their own. You know, <laughs> okay, so then back to Bill. Uh, no, but uh, seriously, yeah, uh, yes and no. Like I, I feel there is an obligation to be a good member of society, uh, and whatever means. Like I have, like I have a friend. I was in a band with him for a long time. He's a lawyer, and um, and I call him for legal advice sometimes. You can email him at counselatimswear. <laughs> That's the guy. No, he, no, but there's, there's a real guy. I forward them to him when they're legit. You know, <laughs> there's another real guy. Another right. real guy. And Wink. I, I always feel bad like when I call him because whenever I call him, it's because there's a legal thing I need his help with, right? And that's usually you know not fun and usually no big deal or nothing. Like you know, I've had him look over contracts for me and stuff like that. And I always feel bad like taking advantage of my friend. And I remember the first time or second time. I had him help me with something and I, I'm up and down apologizing and, and he was like, he's like, hey, listen, he's like, you know why I became a lawyer? He's like, because I like to help people, you know, and, and he's like, is that why? Well, some lawyers, yes. You know, he's like okay. that. He's that kind of lawyer. You like, found the one. He's yeah. not a real. He's not a real estate lawyer. <laughs> but uh, what was that out loud? But <laughs> but no, he's like, I know that specific. Okay. Um, no, but he's. I mean, he's like. Um, he's. 
he's not a um, like a, yeah he's a he's a criminal defense lawyer basically like so he okay. he helps people that that are in trouble you know like uh, okay. and you know he's not like a corporate lawyer you know but uh, but so like you know that because I had the same instinct about lawyers like oh you know but he's like no I like to help people and so he does this to help people and he's like you know I have to make a living and he's like and lawyers as you know charge a lot of money and he's like that's one of the reasons why is because for every dollar that we're billing we're doing like ten dollars worth of work that we can't bill for he's like mm-hmm. that's just kind of the way it is and, and I, I sort of see what we do that way too right like there's times that you know there's a customer that wants you to make something for them and you make them and you, and you charge them for it because you know for every time you have a customer that you're charging for there's like 10 people that you're going to be helping out little old ladies down the street that need help with the a door that's falling off the hinges or a broken fence or whatever and and that's our job as uh, citizens as members of society is to give back what we can i can't help them with legal advice but i can help them fix that fence let me take now let me play devil's advocate because it's way harder to go through law school and then pass the bar than it is to go and spend $100 worth of tools at Home Depot and have like a home repair kit and watch a couple of YouTube videos I'll and buy figure this. out how to going. Yeah, yeah, I know I'm ready. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying like being on. able to do minor home repairs like tightening screws on handles is a much more achievable goal and that as homeowners you have a responsibility into yourself to be able to try out to do those things first. No, please, please let me take this first. No, no, no. Sure? Please, because it ties into my lawyer. Okay. When when I, I told you I was in a band with this guy like 20 years ago, and we... You mentioned the band thing. Yeah, yeah. We were, I know, I'm not supposed to. We were, uh, we were building out, and the drummer and singer lived together at the time, and we were building a little rehearsal space in their basement, and so we said, okay, everybody, bring your tools. We're going to build this little stage area. You keep the stuff off the wet, you know, because it was a concrete floor, get wet and stuff. And, um, you know, we bought the wood, and we all show up. We bring our saws and our hammers and our drills and stuff. And the lawyer, he showed up with one of those uh, tool kits you would get at, like, Big Lots or, like, a discount store for, like, $10 <laughs> with a little mini Ikea hammer sends them. Th- yeah. that you would, like, keep in your kitchen drawer or you would, like, like give to, like, like the girl who just got her first apartment and it was still in the bubble wrap and it, or the, the bubble plastic and it had never been opened. And he showed up with yeah. those. And we all just broke out laughing. He was, needless to say, no help there. But right. he was amazed by us and what we could do, and and you know he tried, you know what I mean. So like, like for you turning a screw is no big deal for him reading he a legal try, contract. It was in the bubble wrap. <laughs> but for for you like to turn a screw is no big deal. Just like for him to read a twenty page contract and know what keywords to pick up on is no big deal because he's cultivated those kill those skills. Just like you've cultivated the skill of turning a screwdriver, give a screwdriver to someone who's never turned a screw before, and it's a it's a challenge. Now, where I'll take up with that, or I'll, I'll add on to that, is there are people who cannot turn a screwdriver; they just can't. And, and I know people physically like or that. mentally, physically and mentally, yes. they just they don't have physically that kind different. of. I mean, you can hand them a screwdriver and show them to undo it, and they will hurt themselves. And it's not because they can't practice; they can't do it. Some people's brains don't work like that. If that's just real. I know this for a fact. I know a lawyer who paid me $500 to change the flapper on his toilet. Because he's like, wow. I don't... Give him my number. I, I, yes. I, I mean, seriously, the guy's like, look, that's not what I do. That's what you do. And I know what I charge for what I can do because you can't do that. So I can't do that. I wouldn't... I would get my hand stuck down in there. I'd have to call the ambulance. I mean, he's, he's making it funny, but he's like... 
Me reaching down in there to try and work that, I'm not that coordinated. I can't hold a pencil for longer than 10 minutes. I just, it's not what I do. I can't. My brain doesn't work like that. But give, give me a book, an encyclopedia of laws, and you know what I'm saying? So it's not that I hear what you're saying. It's like, look, it's, it's a little easier, what you said. It's a little easier to turn a screwdriver than it is to, to go through eight years of law school. I think it's a little bit more accessible. It's, and what you're talking about is more the exception to the rule. Most people can go righty tighty, lefty loosey. You can't even say that. I, I and I challenge you to be able to say that because you don't know most people. First of all, your group doesn't represent <laughs> a a minutia of a one percent. So, and in my experience with dealing with a lot of people like that, it's like no, it's not most people. Some people can. Some people cannot. Some people cannot because they have not. Some people cannot because yeah. they aren't capable. Well, in the, you know, I the, would argue that the people who aren't capable make up a smaller percentage of those people who just haven't done it. That's true, but the people who sure. haven't done it, now you add about 80% of those people who haven't done it, don't want to. That's just not their thing. Why? I don't want to do Fine. that. Yeah. Sure, listen, I didn't want to fix right. a toilet, did it anyway. What about make an art piece? What about what about build a beautiful uh, uh, customized whiskey box? There are people who want to buy that. They do not want to make that. They probably could. I'm okay with that. It's a difference between making something for art versus being able to fix very minor things in your home. No, no, I get it. But it, what I'm saying is is that you can't quantify people who can't do it. I don't care what the reason is that they can't do you it. You can't quantify them. I could do what I want. Well, <laughs> you can. You can be wrong all you want, too. I mean, and I allow that. But hold on. My statistics are wrong, but your statistics but, are right. But you don't have statistics. That's the thing. You don't have statistics either. No, this I don't. And, an I, and I actually told opinion. you that. I don't have statistics. I'm telling you that my <laughs> tiny minutia of a percent of the people uh -huh. I've dealt with, most yeah. of them cannot. They guys, just can't. guys, let's agree that neither of you know what you're talking about, okay? You're both. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> I um, love I how agree. Phil went into that knowing it was going to yeah. be a controversial statement. So that's oh, yeah, that's yeah I know. I don't. I was being Bill Lutz there for five minutes. Yeah, he even, he even started it by saying, let me be the devil's advocate, which translates into Bill Lutz. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think the, the COVID era has actually raised some of these questions for people as we sort of, mm. you know, sort of wonder about what are essential workers and, and uh, you know, we like the lawyer like he we didn't miss him as much as we missed the gas station attendant you know what i mean like when so we, we we're didn't. starting to rethink the value we the proverbial we we're starting you know we're starting to rethink the values of what is essential what's not essential what is valuable and what is invaluable and you know yeah i mean some of those things have to do with what's essential as a physical occupation like the lawyer doesn't have to go into the office the nurse must go into work. Right. The teacher must go into work. Right. So that the kids can go there, so the rest of us can go to well, work. Well, you know, in society, there's a place, there's a need for all of these positions. There's a need for the, the, the yeah. ditch diggers and stuff. And But sometimes the need becomes more apparent. Like, Well, you know. and that's exactly right. But I think all the needs are there, right? Everybody's yeah. still essential. It's just that now that we're saying what is essential to us. Right, because a lawyer is essential to some people during this COVID crisis. There's a lot of people that are seeking legal advice. It's mm. absolutely essential. People yeah. that are dissolving their businesses, for example. Yeah. yeah. Keep right. in mind that what, like, when people say what's essential, and when they say to society, it's not to society as some kind of like moral, uh, you know, or ethical. No, it's to the it's people of the society. It's to the market. What does the market demand as something that's essential? If it's in demand because someone's going to pay for it, that's what's determining its need. We have a certain amount of people 
and the for you guys you guys are paying for it but for us our taxes are paying the government to pay the hospitals for it so we have a capacity that's necessary and therefore a certain amount of workers are essential because a market dictates it this has more to do with capitalism than it has to do with any kind of political system or ethical organization which translates to the people well, I mean, but, but I, why the people? You know what I mean? Not because we're trying to be good, no, well, because we the, need to pay for it. Or well, the people. I mean, I, will I'm, pay for it. I'm thinking about food, right? I'm just thinking about like the very the start with the bare essentials: the food, and then the sure. electricity, and the you know, and the the keeping the the lights on, and the gas works, you know, running, and all that stuff. What it, so yeah. it's about survival, which is but, of course capital. But again, it comes into. down to each of our individual needs, right? I mean, I don't. We're not even talking about would we help people anymore. Now we're talking about what's essential. What's essential is all based on perspective. What is essential to you, Phil, in order for you to continue to put food on your family's plate is different than what's essential to me. All I need is my solid gold rocket car, <laughs> my solid gold house. <laughs> I mean, just, just in, in, in my example to that would be I don't have the kid factor to worry about, right? So, I mean, teachers are not essential to me in the, any way, shape, right. or form right now. To you, they're very but everything, essential. But everything else would be, right? Like everything, everything the, su- what else? the supermarket worker and the police and the fire and the, you know, all the there fundamental are, building things, blocks but of then, society. Then you get down to the doctors, right? How many people that aren't, aren't sick, they're not going to be sick, they're probably going to skate through this thing and be okay. They're not worried about the doctor. How many people are, are sick and not even have the COVID? They got the flu. Doctors are really important to them right now. So, I mean, everything right. is essential depending upon perspective. What do you need? Mechanics, I don't take a car to work. I ride public transportation. Well, it's not open either. So now what's essential to me is my bicycle. I mean, so it's just, it's, and, it's all and, uh, perspective. The, the screwdriver turner is not essential until you got a loose screw. Right. <laughs> Which we have a yeah. few of here. So, I'll tell you what I did do, though. A buddy of mine moved in. We moved into our house, I think, about nine years ago. And a friend of mine moved into his eight. And he's one street over. But, like, I've known him for 25 years. We grew up together. And as a housewarming present, I got him a toolbox with basic tools because I thought that was like a great housewarming present. Wait, is he and, a lawyer? Does uh, <laughs> he play guitar? No, he's not a lawyer. <laughs> no, he's in the promo business. But I have very, I have, I have had to help him with things, but like more advanced things, like drilling very specific holes in a track for a whatever door thingy. Anyways, everything else he does on his own. So I thought that was like. I feel like every house should come with that almost, kind of like uh, a, a jack comes with every car. You know, Bill, Bill do you remember the, um, I think it was the Reader's Digest books, like the homeowner books that were published in the 80s? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, there was yeah. Time Life ones like that also. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, they don't really make those anymore. I think, like, the internet kind of no. ruined that. But there's something about those <laughs> yeah. books. Like, uh, I remember my dad gave me some, you know, when I moved out and I remember just looking at them when I was a kid, just cause they were interesting to like flip mm-hmm. it open and just be like how to hang a door. And it was just like two pages. Yeah. It's very basics of how to hang a door. It was super cool. I wonder like maybe in the, the 21st century, the way you give that gift instead of buying that time life book is that you create a YouTube playlist, <laughs> right? I was honestly, yeah. I was just going to say it, but. For me, it wasn't reading a book. It was like sitting next to my dad as he did this stuff, like changed outlets or, you know, wired something up or fixed something around the house. And we talked about apprenticeships before. Mm. Apprenticeships have like forever, you know, have always been father-son, right? You sort of pass on the family business just, by the son apprenticing for the father. I just did that and Saturday. We, we changed a bunch of outlets in the house and Vance helped me. Yeah. yeah. 
And so, like, no matter what I do around our house, obviously not at somebody else's, but at our house, I will always include at least one of my kids in that. So they see, how do you do that? You know, so Mm. obviously their duties are hold these screws and hold this whatever wrench or whatever. And and like, why why are you doing that? And I'll always sort of narrate what I'm doing as I'm doing it because it, one, it forestalls them asking me any questions. Uh, Obviously, I want questions, but... You know, if I'm narrating it, I'm already answering a lot of the questions that they're going to have. Like, why are you doing that? How can we doing that? I'm doing this because we want to turn this so that it's tighter. Um, so I really think more people need to involve kids in this, so that we have more of a generation that can do these kinds of well, things. There's always been people that can't do those things, though. And they, they don't necessarily have to be, you know, doctors and lawyers. My grandfather was a blue-collar worker. He worked for, in the, you guys have heard of uh, uh, Morton Salt, right? In the, mm-hmm. the blue round tubes. Yeah. Every grocery store yeah. has it. They get it from here in the Bay. My grandfather worked for that, for that company. He drove a forklift, and he was a warehouse dude, and he couldn't change a light bulb to save his life. It just wasn't his thing, those, those types of things. He was good at his job, but hmm. he came home. He didn't work on the stuff at the house. That's what plumbers and electricians were for in his mind. You know, so he didn't. He came home to a dark house. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, he was a blue collar guy, but he didn't know the handyman stuff. You know, it was. He, yeah. I don't think blue collar means automatically that you're handy. No, but what I'm saying is, is that imagine anybody that if it's just not your thing, if you can get that hand me down, or if it's just not your interest, I do believe that if you're not interested in it, you can take all the piano lessons in the world and you can be you can be talented and have some sort of gift from God to play piano. If you're not interested in it, you're not going to be a pianist, right? Yeah, no, I agree with you. But I think, I think and this, again, this is my opinion, but I think most people don't do it because they're worried about making the problem worse or breaking it or just failing. I think that's a lot of it too. It's like, I don't, I'm not really comfortable because if I take you to the hand, I just, listen, Lefty Lucy, until it falls out, then you put in the new one, righty tighty, until the light comes on. See, I even wonder about that because there was a, there was a time when being handy was you just were in your house. You had to do that because that was yeah. your. You, you didn't have the option of calling somebody to come and fix it. There, there got to be a place. I don't know when it happened. Maybe it's when the refrigerator got here. That seemed to be a weird thing that changed everybody's life and preservatives. But whatever, there be, there came a time when. People didn't worry about working on their house so much. There were other people to do that thing for you, right? Mm-hmm. And then there, Probably the baby boom but there, after uh, World War maybe. II. Yeah. But, yeah. but then there was also that generation of people that did and could do that. And I think we're in that stage now. So at what point did it become where everybody used to because they had to, then they didn't have to, and now are they really afraid? Or again, are they just, it's just not their thing? What we've been doing, our educational system continues to, to create specialists, right? Everybody's getting more and more specialized in what they do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of it. Like when you, in the 1750s, you were a generalist. Like you grew your own food and you and you built your own house. And, you know, but, but by 1950, no, you were a plumber and electrician was the other guy. And then mm-hmm. you get even more special. You're, mm-hmm. well, I'm a, I'm a critic, I'm a defense attorney. I only do blah, blah, you know, or I'm a, you know, ear, nose, and throat guy versus like, well, I'm a pulmonologist. And, you know, everything gets more specialized. And that's, I think, where some of those basic skills are disappearing in that way. And, but, you know, and then there are, you still see those guys that are, that are handymen. Like, that's actually, well, that's so actually the job. Get, now know? to get back to our actual topic, how do we mm-hmm. feel about, I, both you and I answered kind of the same. It's like, mm-hmm. I feel obligated to help people who can't do what I can do. 
uh, and for free. We're talking about for free, right? The lady down the street, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or your cousin, yes, or yes, whatever, yes. your brother. Yeah. Um, yes. I feel obligated because I I take that upon myself because that's me saying that I've had way too much help in my life. I've had so many people that have gone out of their way to help me that karma mm-hmm. dictates that I must Pay do the forward. same thing. <laughs> However, yeah. you, yeah. cousin Joe, don't put any obligation on me because that's not how this works. I will do this because I want to because I feel obligated. I want to be that better person, which can be a pain in the butt. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're sure. absolutely right. If It's one thing for me to feel an obligation that I created myself. It's another for someone to say, hey, you're really good at that. You know, you should you should be helping me out. I'm like, oh, really, my friend? No, I agree with you 100%. Let me show you how to use this screwdriver. <laughs> That's how I'm yeah. going to help you, right? Yeah. I'm going to teach you yeah. how to fish, pal. Sure. Yeah. No. But those, like, for those... example, my br- my brother is a uh, he's in the trades. He's a carpenter, but he also does all kinds of stuff. And he's in the uh, in the commercial space. And uh, mind you, he sits his butt in a forklift all day, and you know, just moves stuff around a job site. But he is a licensed uh, carpenter. If he called me up to come and change a light bulb, I'd be like, Nah, it's okay. You can you can handle that. You know what I mean, or a derivative thereof. But. Someone, you're again, right. if he I called you and said, can't. hey, I'm out of town for a couple of months for my job, and yeah. Susie said the light's out in the kids' room, you'd be over there in a hot second. I would be there in, you know, 120 miles an hour, yeah. no yeah. question. For a light bulb? Slow down, buddy. Let's not put lives at risk to change the light bulb, all right? <laughs> they just had a second baby. I don't need anybody tripping. <laughs> Tim. You know, I think, um, I, I, I'm, I've never said this before, I'm just going to formulate ability. It's like those who feel entitled aren't. <laughs> you know, like yeah, if, I like if you, that. If you come at me humbly, yeah, I'm gonna help you. But if you feel like you, I owe you that, yeah, I don't owe you anything. And then there's that. Well, you don't owe them anything anyway, right? Yeah. But you feel like you want to help someone who is grateful or well, my, whatever. My, my lawyer buddy has an out light bulb, 120 miles an hour. I'm on my way. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but well, there's that selfishness that comes into it too, right? What is that feeling that you get when? When Phil, when you go to your in-laws and you you make a light switch out of an outdoor patio that they never in a million years would have been able to do, right? You're now the hero. Yeah. There's an ego thing that, that goes there. Anytime you do something that's out of the goodness of your heart, it's also out of the goodness of your ego, right? I mean, because I love that feeling. I love that feeling. It's like, man, I did something good for somebody. That makes me feel good, right? That's There is that argument that people say, like, there is no such thing as a selfless act, right? I think, Tim, you said that before, and it's true. There's no such thing as a selfless act because even the guy who sits and gives millions of dollars and sits on the board of a charity, they talk about that guy in the news all day mm-hmm. long, and that's at the end of the day, you know, a huge factor for that because it raises your profile, it allows you to, you know, make better contacts. And well, I think that's a little bit bit. different than just making you feel good. You know what I mean? I'm saying it all the way to the end. Like, but even like I give twenty bucks to uh, a, an anonymous charity jar at the deli. You know. It was it was a selfless act, but it wasn't because I also feel really good about right, myself you feel, now. You know, I've I've said before about how I love I love 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 to give people things, but I don't like getting things because like I don't like feel like I need things, and I always feel like oh you don't need to give me that. And someone a long time ago um, just kind of pointed that out to me is like, well, you know how much you love giving things to people? Like maybe they like giving things to you, so you need to actually accept them. And I was like, oh yeah, huh. right. Yeah, I kind of yes. like turned that around on me, and uh, yeah. So there's something yeah. to be said for that of just like letting people 
uh, feel good and, and feeling good for doing things. And that is definitely, I mean, it's selfish, but it's not like selfish in a negative way. You know? it, well, it's no. weird. It's a, it's a catch-22 because here it is, by you accepting something from somebody so they can feel good, that means you're doing a good thing by allowing them to have that good feeling. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's uncomfortable for me. I don't like it. Casey tells mm-hmm. me that all the time. It's like, let me do this for you. You know, and I'm like, ah, I don't need that. Just shut up. And I'm like, all right. You know, I mean, it's because I'll be the first one. Like, let me do this for you. Let me do that for you. Do you need this? Do you need that? I can fix that. Right. But somebody wanted to do something for me. I'm like, ah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Ah, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. But guys, I am happy to make you feel good by allowing you to give me stuff. So <laughs> let me just be a good Samaritan here. Where are we at? Well, uh, you know what we should give is a shout out to uh, Cling Sports Woodworking Shop. Boom! Because uh, I noticed that they had a, a mighty big sale on this weekend, a thirty percent coupon. That I don't know if you can add to that with the uh, with the utilize, but I would say just do it anyway for Bill, and you'll feel good about yourself. However, that thirty percent off will get you a Nova Jaw set for making pens. And the only reason I bring that up is because I was cleaning off. My, my behind me on the corner over here, and I saw my little itty bitty harbor, 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 harbor that freight company lathe. Hamana, hamana. And because uh, Casey was mentioning she might want to start making some pens, so I remembered oh, cool. how much I spent at the other big name uh, woodcraft store, uh, and they ripped me off. <laughs> Was it woodcraft? Oh my god! I, I bought that same basic set, right? And I'm not kidding you. I paid a buttload of money for it, and then I certainly shouldn't have because I buyer's remorse is when you when you buy something. You need to be done. I bought it. I own it. I'm good. Don't look at and see how much you can get it for now because you will definitely find it cheaper. And I did. And I was 100%. very, I don't like that woodcraft store or whatever it's called. I'm not sure the name of the woodcraft store. They suck. Um, however, Clink Spores offers 30% off. Clink Spores Woodworking Shop. There's a coupon right now. You can go check it out on their website. So if I were you, anybody interested, I would check it out. Clink Spores Woodworking Shop for the best deals. Throw Utilize in there. And you'll get an extra love from Bill. Wow. Wow. He's got some kind of side hustle going on. This guy's a this guy's a madman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like Madison Avenue. Uh, love it. Love the enthusiasm. Let's check out. I think we do have some reviews this week. Looks like we got a couple here. I just pulled it open. Um, here, I'll read this first one from Carabinson. Carab- Carabinson Jr., uh, October 5th, uh, five star. So we'll read it, and it's Theory and Tip is, uh, is the title. First, this is a great podcast that I look forward to the next episode as soon as I finish the current one. I have a theory as to why you do not get as many reviews as hoped for. It is not because they are not deserved, but perhaps it is because, like me, most people probably listen while in the car or while multitasking. Oh, yeah, we, we get it. That's why we have to en- encourage you all to, <laughs> to, yeah. to come in. Annoy. So, there have been yeah numerous times I have been DEU to or from work. I'm not quite sure what that acronym is. DEU, do you know what that stands for? Uh, D, okay, well, anyways. I have been DEU to nope. or from work and said I am going to submit a review, but get sidetracked once I get to my destination and don't think about it until I am in the car again listening. That said, I have a tip for listeners. Listen to the podcast at 1.5 times speed. Y'all don't sound as good as norm as at normal speed, but I can get through the podcast quicker. Time management. Thanks for a uh, fun and informative most of the time podcast. <laughs> most of the time, Andy Robinson. I don't know what DEU stands for. It's got to be some acronym that. Um, yeah. Uh, but I uh, but I understood the context of it. There's absolutely we understand that 
when we are begging you for reviews that it is not convenient for you to write one at that moment. And so that's why we try to put Bill's annoying please into your head to the point where like an hour later you're like oh god that bill guy if i don't do it he's gonna say it again and i'm gonna feel guilty but you know what you can feel good about giving us a review let that let that goodness feel feel <laughs> oh yeah it's like an obligation <laughs> that you have to yourself to feel better right you will feel right. better about it knowing that you've yeah. made bills bill happy yeah um, it's it's philanthropy is what it is it's Billanthropy in, in this oh, case. Oh, Billanthropy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who wants to read the next one? I can't ahead, because Bill. I'm on a different um, uh, magic oh. box. Oh, uh, okay. Um, this one is by uh, Jake Chovnik, and the title is Praise and a Question. This is an amazing podcast for makers at any level and of any discipline. I listen to this podcast both for inspiration and to keep my mind focused while working in the shop. Oftentimes, while I'm working by myself, I tend to lose focus easily, but when listening to this podcast, I feel as though these three are in the shop with me. I always look forward to hearing your advice and hope that this review helps others discover what an amazing podcast this is! Exclamation mark. While I'm not going to use this review to promote myself, I am going to use it to ask a question. I'm going to be moving soon and slightly upgrading my workshop, but I will still be in a one-car garage. I am still building my arsenal of tools, so what are some tools that are space wasters and what are some essentials? I mostly do woodworking to put this into perspective. I gotta tell you, I don't think this is a question we're gonna answer right now. I would break this out into another whole podcast because I think a ton of us, both, all three of us have a lot to say about this. Well, we talked about it quite a bit too. Mm. Um, I'd like to answer it one question though for him. I mean, at least one thing that's essential, uh, no matter what shop, you, what you have in your shop, if you're, especially if you're a woodworker, um, I gotta go with table saw, man. Yeah, mm, it's a lifeblood yeah. of the shop. You can do so much it, it, with it. Yeah, it can almost be your only tool, honestly. You know, yeah. I mean, you, they even sell those sanding discs you can put in the darn things now. The whole, the whole thing. Don't ever do that, though. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, without without going into um, you know, into the whole discussion, which I do think we have some some episodes back mm-hmm. in, in the. In I know, but like we've gotten more and different tools since two or three years ago. I think we could revisit this one. But yeah, yeah, we could, but it, I mean, but really it 100% depends upon what you do. Like if you make boxes, you probably can get rid of the scroll saw. If you make scroll saw art, you should probably keep the scroll saw. You know what I mean? Like and you might not need the belt sander. So that's Thanks for ruining the episode, Tim. So I just summed it up in 30 seconds. Now, we'll well, fill we'll find some way to fill it yeah, up. Yeah, uh, a good set okay. of cordless <laughs> tools are, are going to be handy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you yeah, if you're doing that type, if you're building, you know, um, entertainment centers and armoires, you're going to need different tools than if you're building, you know, smaller pieces of art and, you know, and stuff like that. So that's that's the, the Jake. The short answer. Tune in next week while yeah, we let's uh, do it next deep week. dive this bad boy of a question. Thank you for writing in, and uh, I I have a ton to say, and I would love to have the conversation with the boys here. So episode two fifty eight is going to be Jake's dream wood wood shop. I think is what we're going to call it. I'm typing that in right now. Yeah. See what you yeah. get when you write a review? You get a, a, a unintentional episode all about One. you. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Jake. Uh, weekly tip segment. Who's got a tip? Hot you know tip. what? My I got tip. a terrible hot tip that's a great hot tip, but it's terrible. Well, now I got to hear it. You, you are in sales. I don't care what profession you have. You're a salesman. You don't even know how bad this is a sales tip. I'm listening. All right, so everybody knows I'm just a blue-collar guy. I, I, 
I've done a lot of stuff. Most of my stuff is labor. It's what I do. I take care of stuff. I pick stuff up. It's heavy, and I put it down. I'm just a master guy. <laughs> I have used in my lifetime weed eaters from the little tiny Black and Decker plug a cord into it that spins around eight revolutions per minute and you can only get one blade of grass at a time to something that's made by Harley Davidson and you kickstart that better. Right? Yeah. I I was at the big box store and the yellow tool guy was there and he saw me and and <laughs> this it's, is the start of an AA meeting. Oh my yeah. gosh. I can tell you right now. Uh, so they had on sale the 20 volt cordless weed eater with the leaf blower combination for $289 with a battery a, and a charger. Did you say to him, did you say, <clears throat> utilize? <laughs> uh, I tried. Utilize I wrote utilize all over the no? receipt. <laughs> I talked to the store manager. I said, I'm utilizing this darn tool. I bought it. It was $289. It's, it's, it was a good price. And I'm thinking, okay, I have to justify this now, of course, because Casey doesn't know that I bought this. Well, of right. course, he's not really going to say anything because I do most of the yard work and she's the love of my life and she was okay with it. So as soon as I got home, I said, well, I better do some yard work and I, I happen to have five other DeWalt batteries that will fit in this thing, so I don't even have to charge it. I plugged in that weed eater and it is the most heavenly experience I've ever had in my life. It not only really? folds in half for storage, it's lightweight, it's got the power that you need and want I don't know how to tell you guys this. I mean, seriously. I did my yard. I did my landlord's yard. I saw the neighbor down the street. I said, hey, let me get those weeds for you. I'm not kidding you. This is the Walt Weed Eater. It is the most comfortable, convenient way to chop your weeds. You know, trim the edges, everything. It is so amazing, man. It beats the cord dragging behind you. It beats the smelly two-part gas that you got to take forever to try and start the thing. It's just, it was awesome and amazing. So here's my tip. If you can get a good deal on one, I highly advise it. And I like Yellow Tool. If they if they want to give us some free stuff, it'd be great. But I do like, I've used it my never. entire life. I know. I've used Yellow Tool my entire life, and I've got stories I can tell you how I've dropped cordless drills off of four-story buildings, and they worked just fine, even if I had to duct tape the battery back in. I believe in it. It's a great product. This weed eater is mind-blowing. And the leaf blower, I have the little shop blower. I love that. I told Phil he should get one. I have one. The leaf blower has a turbo tornado nose tip on it. It's amazing, too. It's like I can... I, I, can I don't feel like this is the tip section as much as the yeah, you product shill. place. I know, but the tip is, is like, seriously, if you've been muddling over going to buy a weed eater or you, this is a good tip. It helped my back. It helped everything. It was just everything about it was good. Everything about it was good. Uh, when did we get uh, Ron Popeil on the uh, on the podcast? I wish here I would have this. invented the darn thing. I'm telling you, because I had the pocket fisherman when I was little and I wish I had it now. I always wanted the electric food dehydrator. You don't probably know what the pocket fisherman is, but that's okay. It's a tiny little fishing rod. You pull it out of your pocket. Wait, that's how you got Casey. The pocket fisherman. Uh, <laughs> I, I, just to put this back on the rails, I have a, a tip that has to do with Do you tools? have a legitimate I, tip, Tim? I have a legitimate one-word tip that ties into the 
the uh, Jake's um, uh, comment there a little bit, um, or his, his review. My one more tip I just wrote down last week was ask. <laughs> Much like hmm. Jake just asked, you know, this question. We're like, you know what? Let's do a whole podcast on that. It never hurts to ask. Yeah. Just get over your ego and your pride, you know, about like knowing everything and doing everything. And just don't be afraid to ask because you never know. Someone might, might be able to help you and they might say yes. I, I, sometimes it hurts to ask. I asked something Casey the other day. It was a little inappropriate and she smacked me. I'm just saying I hurt. Can you go and ask her again? <laughs> <laughs> Very quick. That was good. Ba-boom. Yeah. <clears throat> um. I actually I take it as a point of pride that I have a community of people that I could ask stuff of, and I love that. I feel like I have like access to this secret club of brilliant, experienced people that other people don't have. So like, if I don't know how to do something, I'll like, even my wife now will go, why don't you just ask your group? I was like, hot damn, you're right. I am going to ask my group. Mm. And that's when... And it is your Bill group. Had the it's the anyway. Phil Pinsky questions answered group. Really, it's just, Bill, what's the thing with this thing? <laughs> That's what it always lends up being. Um, good tip. Ask. I like it. Yeah, what, I, have to, uh, I have to remind what, myself what, all the time. I'm terrible about that, too. Like, you know? I'm pretty good. Yeah. What uh, grabbed your attention this week? I'm going to Bill Lutz. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, the first one was, um, I won't say his last name because we're not that close yet. Um, but it's not John made it. It is John wrote us and said, hey, I can't find you on Spotify. And Phil said, oh, yes, you can. You give me 10 seconds. I will make this happen. So what caught my attention is that we're now on Spotify. Yeah, that's right. Us and Joe Rogan. But we don't have a multi-billion dollar contract. But hey. Yet. Yet. Um, and then the other thing that caught my attention, I was on, uh, uh, me and Andy Berkey got together on Makers International podcast uh, yesterday, Sunday evening like for them. It was an afternoon for me. And it was a lot of fun. And uh, so you should check out Makers International, Chris Cute, um, Richard, and Jamie Page. And I, I, it, was, it was a lot of fun. We talked about uh, how does fear affect your creativity. And, and we just had a lot of fun. And, of course, it was me and Andy. So there was there was a masking tape and a soft-sided helmet and green hair and a cowboy hat. And I'll let you figure that out on your own. But I did get well, a chance. A Tuesday. Yeah, basically. I did get a chance to talk to Richard afterwards, and he was telling me about, um, we just hung out for a little bit, Richard Martin, uh, Brain Fizz. Um, he is now a member of a uh, makerspace, and he's got access to all these CNCs and all this other stuff, and it inevitably got to where I was, we, we're both convinced now I'm going to have to get a small laser at some point. That's going to be my little gateway drug into the CNC world. Um, I, I believe that. So I'll be figuring out how to get some uh, little tiny desktop laser thingy. I think that will be fun. But anyway, check out Makers International Podcast. That Chris guy that we don't say his last name because he's so cute. Is that, uh, is that on Spotify? I only, I only Probably like not. <laughs> only us and Joe Rogan are on Spotify. I'm just Give me ten seconds. Yeah. Uh, Tim, what are you watching? Obsessed with? Well, sort of uh, like um, uh, like Bill. I'm gonna do a little bit of a plug. Uh, it's I posted a video on Sunday. It was part of my truck project, and it's um, the sort of bench 
you know, that I built in the truck and it has storage and, but I also doubles, you know, for storage, but it also doubles as a sleeping pad or whatever. And so I, I wanted to, you know, have a nice, uh, eco-friendly upholstered thing, blah, blah, blah. And I ended up finding this woman named Carla. Uh, I think she's in Montana. Yeah, not what Yeah, Montana, not Wyoming. Um, and, uh, she is like a, a natural upholstery expert and I had her make me the slip covers that go over the natural latex pads that go on it and she made a video in the process and it's linked up with mine and we released them together and um, you know my video is like kind of me doing my thing I'm in the truck I'm fast forward through cutting some plywood or you know stuff and you know all that stuff but then her video is like beautifully filmed it's um, <laughs> it, it's it's like it's all like perfectly lit and gorgeous and uh and she's a, a skilled craftsperson and she's sewing and and she makes mistakes and she solves them and it's everything i look for in a maker video and it's in this sewing world um which i'm not familiar with and i'm uncomfortable with and i'm uh in the for the course of this project because i had this visual aesthetic of what i wanted to do um and she just kind of was like all right you know, and she's like, you know, this might happen. And I'm like, no, this will be fine. Just do this. It'll be fine. It's going to work. And then, of course, it didn't. And she was right. And so then I had to go in and butcher up her sewing job by putting this thing on the back and put these buttons on and stuff. But but um, it was all like thanks to her that I, I got the courage to fire up my sewing machine in the process of working with her and talking to her. But just watching her video like when so she, you know, she was like, I just wanted slip covers, Right. I was like, I wanted to be like something hemp, something hippie, you know, and um. And she was like, well, let's do some design work on it. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, and so I sent her some, some D, you know, just line art of, um, of, of some guitar shapes and of my logo. And then, and like, I just, you know, I'm just do it, do whatever you want. Like you have total artistic freedom. Just don't go, don't be too busy. was all I said. It's like, you know, I'm going minimalist. Just don't be too busy. No flowers, you know? And, uh, and she's like, okay. And so she sends this stuff back and my wife and I, we open the boxes up and I'm, we're looking at it and we're like, this is incredible at the stitching, like the embroidery of these, like just outlines of my guitars and my logo. And, um, and we're like kind of looking at it like, yeah, she must have one of those, like, um, those machines now, like you, the CNC embroiderers basically, right? Where you, mm -hmm. you put the I logo in. And it'll kind of do it. I'm like, she must have like a big one, you know, like it must be like, you know, and like, oh, that's really cool. And then I watch her video and she did all this stuff by hand. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like that's how like. She put down a pattern and then she sewed over it, right? Yeah. She drew it. She drew the, right. okay. with chalk basically. She just drew the lines and then just followed the right. lines and did this like double stitch embroidery thing. It's just gorgeous. Incredible. Incredible to work. I love, I love watching people who are really good at what they do, do it well. And that's mm -hmm. Carla's video. So if you go to my video, you can find it. There's links to Carla Natural Poultry. And she has other tutorial videos. She's trying to build up this, um, like it's a new channel for her. She's trying to build up this sort of uh, online tutorial work. And she has got the skills. So go check it Mr. out. Mr. C&C over here doesn't even remember what it's like. I bet you don't even have right. calluses anymore. You don't even have no. calluses anymore, Tim. I, well, gone, I do. Eh? I, I, my, my, mouse, my mouse hand is sore. <laughs> My click finger, fun. my click finger is very calloused. <laughs> yeah, I had to it's get one a of those lot pads of, uh, with the the, the button. Yeah, yeah, tendonitis. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> um, I was very uh, interested by a video that uh, Pat Lap just put out, and it was a uh, about a three minute video called Tea Light Candle Holders. And what caught my attention about this video was uh, he spoke in this video. What? 
He never, yeah, he never speaks in any of his videos. It's usually like a cool, like metal uh, soundtrack, like very hard guitar and stuff, and it's very rock and was roll. It, was it coherent? Yeah. Was it yeah. Eng- was he, it English or French? Uh, he he did uh, he did both versions, but mm. one's an English one, and uh, obviously he has an accent. He is French Canadian, but his English is great. Mm. And uh, I was like, ah, oh, that's awesome. Good for you, because you know what? It's not. Um, I think it's pretty courageous to put out a video in in a language that is not one that you're comfortable with specifically. Like, I don't think... Like, I speak French, like, and I speak conversational French. I speak French for work. I've spoken French my whole life. I don't think I would have the courage to put out a video in French. And and this guy just did it. And, and hats off to him because it was yeah. terrific. It was a lot of fun. He made it kind of like a parody video of, like... You know, like a really hardcore woodworking video, but, you know, he sliced a piece off a log and then he turned it in, and made a hole. But uh, but I loved it, and I really hope that he continues to make videos where he speaks in English and French too, but specifically in English because I think there's a wider audience. But I loved it, and I thought it was great. I, can I point out just, and I'm not going to take offense to this at all, that it was just last week, I think, where you both encouraged me not to speak anymore in my videos. But... Okay, so Pat <laughs> can talk, and I should shut up. I get it. No, go ahead. Carry on, Phil. What's next? I think you know, much, much, right. like, much like we are challenging you to like open up to this art world and then do new stuff, <laughs> uh, the, the, now the challenge goes to Phil to make a video where he does it in French. Oh. That would be insane. Oh, that would be so cool, though. And subtitled, so I can watch it. <laughs> I don't know what value that would be, but it's an interesting challenge. Give me an art movement. I think I'd prefer that one. In well, French? No, I, um, but, the, but, you know, much like you very cleverly skirted your way out of the uh, priority box challenge by taking a picture <laughs> of all this stuff. For me, it's about, like, watching you break the rules, buddy. So, you know. Right. <laughs> so that's your challenge. Right. The, you know? Bonjour. Je m'appelle Phil. Okay. Um, here we go. What's next? Nothing. Yeah. Our websites, williamlutz.com, timsway.net, and newperspectivesmusic.com. Guys, contact us for show topics, suggestions, feedback. Send us those emails with your questions. Uh, you know, if you think that uh, I'm too mean to Bill, let us know, either by email or uh, you can attach a voice note right to that email, info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com. We'll play it out, and it might even turn into a topic, so that could be a ton of fun. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter, at reclaimedaudio. And those iTunes reviews, if they're five stars, super important. At reclaimedaudiopodcast.com, there is a button you can click. It will launch iTunes, and you can leave a review right there. And patreon.com slash reclaimedaudio. For as little as $1 per episode, you have access to the pre-show. That is where all the magic happens. And for $10 an episode, you get your name read aloud as part of the list of current heroes that you hear at the top of the hour. The essential so listeners. The essential the, listeners. Correct. <laughs> the essential listeners. I like that. I like that. It's all about perspective, though, Bill. Uh, and uh, with that, thank you very much. Have a fantastic week, and uh, we'll speak to you next one. Bye, everybody. Be good.